Okay, boys and girls, it's now time for Trex in Sci-Fi with the star of the show, the geek meister himself, Rico. Hello, everyone. And yes, that introduction was from my lovely wife, Lynn. Thank you for doing that uh, many moons ago. I need to get her to record a few more of those things and some other lines sometime soon. Uh, it's a little... Uh, Takes a little work. <laughs> anyway, welcome to this week's edition of Trex and Sci-Fi. This will be podcast 182 for uh, Sunday, of course. It is July, what is it, the 13th. It's not a Friday the 13th. It's, it's a Sunday the 13th, 2008. Uh, we're going to have a fun show, I think. Uh, we're going to be looking at an episode of Enterprise from Season 3, this episode's called Doctor's Orders. I think it's a fun one and a little different, so I decided to pick that one for this week. Uh, we've got the usual little news segments and uh, maybe a collectible later on, depending on how time goes. I think I'm going to do a full uh, episode commentary for Doctor's Orders, so that should be fun. And uh, those shows tend to run a little long, so I'm not sure if we'll get to a collectible or not. And, and I'll be talking about my uh, impressions of the new movie, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army. So, uh... Stay tuned. Oh, I last week I, I really want to apologize. I, I neglected to uh, mention those who had donated recently, and so I'm going to do that right now. I mentioned them on the podcast notes, but um, we had uh, Rich P, I think, yeah, Rich uh, and Rick Moyer and Eric Gant, and uh, a new one this past week, uh, Christopher Brosseau. I think I'm saying that properly. Maybe not. I'm sorry, Christopher, but he sent in a donation all the way from France. So always, again, thanks for those very uh, appreciated donations to the podcast. Help pay for the bandwidth on the website and distributing the show and equipment. And, well, you know, I, I got to buy Gatorade each week. What do we got here today? Let's see. Uh, uh, I have a Fruit Punch uh, Gatorade to keep me going. And uh, still trying to shake off the last little remnants of my cold uh but uh, I'm feeling pretty good, though. It's um, it's pretty much gone. It's just kind of in the kind of there. You might hear it a little bit, a little more nasally. So, hey, uh, you know, I'll stop talking. Let's play the theme song, and uh, I'll be back with the big show. Let's give credit where credit is due for that excellent uh, theme song I've been using the past few weeks. That's by a guy named Mike Verda, uh, who I know uh, over on the Replica Prop Forum. Mike, great job on that. Uh, he does some excellent musical uh, work and uh, all kinds of other neat things. So thanks again for that. It's always a, uh, a little bit of a trick each week. I've said, I think, many times, uh, or at least several times in the past, of how to kind of begin each show and, you know, normally go into news segments and that kind of thing or talk a little bit about general uh, topics and news. Um, oh, I did want to mention a little bit more on that donation uh, factor. There are uh, links on the main website at com on the forum uh, page, a way to donate a small donation, you know, to help uh, pay for the show if you enjoy it. So check those out. But, but again, back to, you know, how to start off the show. This week I decided uh, I always do a little quick web search, see what's been going on uh, in the news the last week or so, and try to pick out some highlighted stories to bring up. At this time of year, it's July right now, 
And this is usually the time of the year that they release what the new uh, Star Trek uh, Christmas ornaments are going to be, which always seems strange to me since it's the middle of summer and they're talking about Christmas. But, you know, that's how the, the retailers work in, in this world. So uh, let, let me just, uh, if you don't know, well, let me just mention what, what they're going to come out with, what Hallmark's releasing. You know, they've been doing these for, for a number of years, you know, 10, 12, I don't know what the number. I think early 90s or so was about when they really got going on this, if I remember correctly. 91, 92 maybe or so. Uh, possibly, uh, but I'll have to check on that. Anyway, this week, this uh, week, this year... Uh, Hallmark's coming out with three what uh, look like really great ornaments. I'm going to have a hard time. I haven't been picking all of them up in the last couple of years for, well, a variety of reasons. Anyway, this year they have a a little triple one, which is basically the scene where uh, Kirk is being, uh, you know, covered and buried in tribbles at the end of the classic episode, The Trouble with Tribbles. And it does some sounds, and there's some, uh, you know, sound uh, bites from the show uh, that are put onto the ornament. It looks pretty cool. He's sort of in a little clear case with triples all around him. The next one they're doing is a, a little model of the Reliant of Khan's ship, which I think I'm going to definitely have to pick up that one. I'm really kind of surprised, since it's probably the most popular of the Star Trek films, that they haven't released this yet, but I guess they haven't. Uh, so the USS Reliant, uh, I think this lights up at least. Yeah, yeah, it's going to light up in that. So, um... Let's see, what else? What else? Yeah, oh, it is 1991 here. I'm reading a couple things off the Internet, sorry. Uh, That's when they did get going on this whole line. And the last one, they're coming out with a a small communicator ornament uh, that will, you know, you can hang on your Christmas tree. This one, uh, I think, is lighting up as well. Let's see here. Third ornament, Starfleet communicator. Uh, It does sound effects. Uh, I don't know if it lights or not. I don't think it's lighting, maybe just sound. So so there you have it. Anyway, the uh, Star Trek ornaments for this Christmas, and uh, probably in stores very soon, if not already. Rico has the best sci-fi and Star Trek information on the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Let's go over some general topics. Uh, not a lot to report on the movie itself. Uh, these days it's been fairly quiet on that front Uh the, uh, the couple little things that I do want to mention, Stargate Atlantis uh, returned uh, this past Friday uh, for Season 5 and started off with a great first episode for the Stargate fans out there. I know you are all happy to have uh, Atlantis back. And our, our good old buddy, the Doctor from uh, Star Trek Voyager, Robert Picardo, is jumping on board as the new uh, commander of the Atlantis expedition and base. So that'll be fun to see how he interacts on the show. He really didn't figure into the first episode very much, but I know he will be in the rest of the season pretty much. So watch for that. There was a uh, a little update again uh, with uh, James Colley, who's the head of the uh, Star Trek New Voyagers, or as it's now called, Phase 2, talking about some of their upcoming fan uh, Trek films. Uh, some pretty exciting stuff. Uh, they have this two-parter, Blood and Fire, coming up. Probably part one should be out in the fall sometime, maybe September, October-ish, with um, hopefully part two uh, three to four months later. You know, these effects that these guys do in these movies take a long time to produce. It's usually a part-time endeavor for the people that are volunteering to work on them, so they do do take a long time to get out. Uh, They also have already shot the the principal photography for a couple more episodes. Uh, One's called... uh, Enemy Starfleet, and then the next one after that will be called The Child, which uh, Collie hopes will be released in 2009. So, And they're adding some cool new things to this. Some, we're going to see some new areas of the uh, engineering area on the Enterprise. They're, they're sort of refitting the Enterprise also in, uh, not sure which one that's going to show up in, but there are going to be some slight changes to the look of both the interior and exterior of the Enterprise, uh, sort of to phasing in towards the movie era a little bit. Not huge changes, I I should say, but just slight ones. So that should be fun to see. So uh, check that out over at StarTrekNewVoyages.com. And also, uh, this uh, week's episode of the remastered Trek is the Cloud Minders. And uh, over at TrekMovie.com, they have some exclusive uh, images of uh, some of the remastered stuff they did. You know, that's the one with Stratus and the City in the Clouds. And they really did a cool job. It looks sort of, 
I, I don't I don't know. It's it, it's hard to describe, but it very it looks a lot uh, a lot more cool than it used to look when that that old little shot they did in the original series of the kind of tiny little city there up in the clouds when they look up. This one looks very um, detailed and, and pretty exotic. So check that out. Uh, and that episode should be showing uh, in syndication. Just check your local listings and uh, watch for it. On July 11th. Hey, you a boy? Yeah. You're ugly, man. <sighs> Meet a rule-breaking. Your weapon of choice. Five-figured Mary. Wisecracking. Let me put this to you as delicately as I can. Butt-kicking hero. Now stay down! Like nothing you've ever seen. You're Hellboy! I know, I'm ugly. Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, rated PG-13, starts July 11th. Ah, Ron Perlman is Hellboy. Yes, they uh, were back in action, just uh, came out a couple of days ago. Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, uh, premiered uh, at least in the United States. I'm not sure what its premiere schedule is around the world. Uh, I'm sure wherever you're at, you will be getting it, if not uh, very soon. So uh, what did I think about the movie? went to see it yesterday with my friend Mark, uh, and I I loved it. I thought it was great. I I was a big, big fan of the first one. I I just... There's something that's just really fun about the movie. It's still, you know, action-packed, and there's danger and elements like that. But it doesn't take itself quite as seriously as some other films. And I, I think a lot of that is Ron Perlman playing Hellboy. Just uh, does a great job. I mean, he is just perfect in the role. Just like he was in Beauty and the Beast. He just fits these kind of, like, big lug kind of lovable heroes that... Uh, you know, the world kind of shuns a little. You heard in the clip, you know, hey, Hellboy, you're ugly, you know. <laughs> and that happens a few times, not to give anything really away, but, it, you know, the, it, you see that right in the trailer. So, you know, basically the storyline here is, is there's this golden army of uh, things that are going to sort of destroy the world, and Hellboy has to stop it. I mean, that's the idea and the premise. There's a lot more to it, of course, than that. All the main people are back. Uh, you get to see Selma Blair as Liz Sherman again, uh, Doug Jones as Abe Sapien, his Hellboy's little friend, and there's a great part in the movie, kind of uh, midway, maybe a little more than midway between Abe and, uh, let's just say it's between Abe, Hellboy, and Barry Manilow, all right? I'm just going to leave it at that. So anyway, um, I just don't know what to say. Guillermo del Toro, I think I'm trying to say his name properly. I asked Lynn, who's uh, my Spanish teaching expert, you know, Guillermo, is that how you say it? Yeah, Guillermo del Toro, who uh, is the director, writer, producer, you know, uh, if he could hop in the Hellboy costume, he'd probably do that too. He he is the... uh, the big guy behind this, of course, Mike Magnolia. Magnolia? Is that how you say his name? Was the guy that did the created the Hellboy comics at first. Uh, and uh, they they do a good job. It's, uh, it's just so much fun to see this. I'm so happy that it's getting a lot of good reviews so far. Uh, it is uh, a lot of fun, and I'm hoping they'll, they'll do another one. I think they will. I think it's going to do well in the theaters. And I think we'll get to see another Hellboy uh, movie at some point in the future. It's just, uh, all I can say really is, is if you really enjoyed the first one, I think this one you'll enjoy just as much, perhaps even more. So go check it out in the theaters. Oh, and there, there's just amazing effects and creatures and everything all throughout this movie, uh, almost uh, more so and nonstop than the first one. You know, they kind of get right into things this time. You get past that whole, they don't have to explain a lot. I mean, they kind of do that in a, in a, in a very cool way early in the movie, which is, is, is very well done, and I like the way they, they do that. And it do, doesn't spend a lot of time going over old things for people who have seen the first movie, but it also brings the people that maybe haven't seen the first one quickly up to speed. So Hellboy 2, can't say enough good about it. Go see it uh, as soon as you can. Okay, I'm going to play now a um, another uh, TV uh, TV series theme song uh, this week. Uh, I'm trying to keep up with this, and this is another favorite of mine. Uh, it is from uh, the late '80s. Uh, lasted for three seasons on CBS. Was uh, I think it was always on on Friday nights. I always look forward to it. Great, great show, and seems appropriate to play this one for this week. So, listen to this. This is where the wealthy and the powerful rule. It is her world, a world apart from mine. Her name is Catherine. From the moment I saw her, 
She captured my heart with her beauty, her warmth, and her courage. I knew then, as I know now, she would change my life forever. He comes from a secret place, far below the city streets, hiding his face from strangers, safe from hate and harm. He brought me there to save my life, and now, wherever I go, he is with me in spirit, for we have a bond stronger than friendship or love, and although we cannot be together, we will never, ever be apart. Yes, that is the opening musical and uh, vocal theme, I guess, credits theme to uh, the Beauty and the Beast uh, with Ron Perlman and Linda Hamilton. Great, great romantic TV series from the late 80s, uh, 87 to 90, I think, uh, on CBS. Loved the show, uh, hated the way it ended uh, for people that know, but uh, and hated that it did end. Uh, uh, Ron Perlman was just great in those kinds of parts, uh, and uh, again, just uh, you know, not quite as uh, you know cocky and and, and funny and, and uh, as the Hellboy character, but you know the same kind of thing, kind of like this, uh, this this beast that that the world doesn't care about, but he has a lot of uh, deep feelings when you get down to it, and uh, and that's brought out with Hellboy too in the movie a little bit too, which I, I enjoyed that part as well. So. Anyway, Beauty and the Beast from CBS in the, in the late 80s. If you've never seen that show, pick it up. I think it might be all out on DVD. Maybe not the last season yet, but I'm not sure. I know the first few are, first two at least. So check it out uh, when you get a chance. Okay, I've got one last little bit of uh, information or, uh, uh, I, to share, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's always to share. <laughs> anyway, uh what I wanted to mention, and I don't think I have on the podcast yet, I know I have on the Treks and Sci-Fi forums to everyone there, but I am going to do another video show, video cast show, uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks uh, for uh, Podcast 185, which will be probably at the, the last weekend of July, first weekend of August. Uh, and what I'm looking for are some uh, video submissions, video clips from you guys out there who listen to the show uh, whether you're a forum member or otherwise, it doesn't matter, of course, if you are a fan and you like things uh, that I do here. I'd love to hear from you. What I'm looking for is uh, a two to three minutes at the most clip of you discussing and maybe showing a little clip inside your clip of uh, what your favorite uh, Star Trek episode is of all the different series. Just stick to the TV series, not the movies, but I want to hear what you guys uh, pick out and what you have and love for the uh, your favorite Trek episode. And uh, you um, just got to send them in to me. Uh, you can email it to treksf at gmail.com or link me if you have a way to store it. There's lots of different ways of doing this. If you need a uh, way to upload it directly to me uh, without email and you don't have any other way to do it, just email me and we can arrange something. I have a way on my server where I host the website and everything to allow that I just have to give you some information to do that. Uh, but again, two to three minutes long, uh, you talking about your favorite Star Trek episode. The deadline really will be the last weekend of July. Uh, we'll, we'll say the deadline will make it for, um, I guess the deadline could be like August 1st, that Friday. That's, I think, the weekend I'll be doing this show. So if you can get it to me like July 31st by August 1st or so, it should get included on that uh, special video podcast for number 185. And now we're going to segue right into, uh, very quickly, the episode Doctor's Orders from Season 3 of Enterprise. Let's go. Okay, remember the uh, Season 3 of Enterprise uh, takes place mostly out in this area called The Expanse. They're searching for the Zindi and a way to stop them. Uh, right now you start with uh, scenes of the Enterprise and lots of shots of the different uh, corridors and rooms and things, but everything is very empty. Oh, here comes little Porthos. I love the captain having a dog on Enterprise. It, it was just such a cool idea, and he's just so cute. And Phlox is like chasing him around now through the uh, corridors. Return. Uh, well, uh, heal. That's it. Heal. 
Porthos was scratching at the door and he wanted to get in to see his master, Captain Archer, who's laying on his bed, uh, which appears to be, he appears to be like asleep or something. Can come and see him again tomorrow. And here we go with the Jazzed Up Season 3 theme song. dial that down just a little bit while I uh, chat about this episode. Uh, I don't know exactly why I picked this one. You know, there's a lot of reasons when I uh, decide to pick an episode to cover on the podcast. Uh, Typically, they're ones that have, you know, kind of hit a certain spot with me, things I've enjoyed uh, watching, maybe something that was key to the the series itself, Uh, lots of different reasons. This one, though, I thought was was fun for a few things. One, uh, you get to see a lot of... uh, Flocks and John Billingsley, who I think is one of the uh, kind of unsung heroes and actors on Enterprise. I think he's a great actor. He shows up as a lot of uh, in a lot of guest parts on, on TV shows these days. And somebody that that does that, I think, has to be pretty versatile. So you get to get and see him a lot in this episode, which is fun and uh, a little more focused rather than the whole crew here. Also. Uh, this one uh, was kind of interesting because there's an interplay between Phlox and T'Pol through a lot of the episode, which you don't get to see that again very much on Enterprise. So uh, that was another reason, and it was just something I, I usually go to a particular series and season and find one that I that looks fun and that I haven't covered yet. So this was it, Doctor's Orders. So here we go back into the episode, and that was an interesting way to start it, where you don't get to see exactly what's going on with Archer, but now you slowly learn that as the episode continues. Oh, I want to also mention this episode is directed by Roxanne Dawson, of course, who played Bolana on uh, Star Trek Voyager. Reunite with its human keeper? I heard of a pike in space moth that drifted half a light year, trying to return to its home world. But I don't believe it had a name. Here you just have Phlox kind of talking to Porthos, which uh, people who are dog owners know. I always talk to my dog, Kaylee. <laughs> it's just, uh, and they think they understand you a lot, so. Dear Dr. Lucas, I apologize for the delay in responding to your last letter. As you this was also an interesting way to do this episode, busy. as Phlox uh, is dictating this go. letter to a colleague. I was deeply saddened to hear about your colleagues lost in the Zindi attack. You have my condolences. This episode also, uh, I want to say, is written by uh, a guy named Chris Black. I'm not sure if he did other episodes. I'll have to look that up, but this one is uh, a well-written piece, I think. The Expanse. An extremely curious place. For example, we've uh, recently encountered a phenomenon that... uh... Do you want one of these? I doubt you'd like it. It's a leech, you know. Will clean out your intestinal tract. Don't tell the captain. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, currently find myself in somewhat unsettling <laughs> circumstances, Dr. Lucas. Although they have allowed me the luxury of catching up on my <laughs> correspondence. We first encountered the phenomenon responsible for this situation two days ago. It's directly on our route to Azata Prime. Why didn't sensors pick it up before now? Because it wasn't there before now. It's similar to the phenomenon we encountered several weeks ago. A transdimensional disturbance. This region is being rapidly reconfigured as we speak. How long would it take to go around it? Two weeks. Another detour. Perhaps not. Since this region was formed only recently, it hasn't been completely reconfigured. We should still be able to cross it safely. You said nothing from our universe could survive inside these things. Doctor. That's true. Unless we take the appropriate precautions. The reconfigured space disrupts the human neocortex, 
but I can counteract the effects by dampening the crew's neurological activity. It would be like, um, oh, shutting down the main computer to protect it from an ion storm. How do you plan to shut down our neocortexes? Quite simply, I can place each of you in a comatose state until we've passed through the affected region. How quickly can we get across it? Less than an hour at warp four. I don't want to risk going to warp in there. Who knows what kind of effect this disturbance will have on our warp field. We'll be safer sticking to impulse. You'll have to keep us in comas for... at least four days. That's still less time than it would take to go around it. Can you keep us under that long? Shouldn't cause any problems. Commander Tucker was not too keen on my plan. However, I was able to convince Captain Archer. I always have, I think I've said before on the uh, podcast, I always have a little just difficulty with this whole, like, hey, there's something in space, it's hard to go around it thing. Does that mean in every dimension, you know, X, Y, and Z, it's just as big? I just... I don't know. That that's always tricky for me to understand. On land, on a on a flat surface, you know, traveling around, I can see. Okay, here's a lake that might be you know x distance across. But if you have to go circle all the way around the lake, it will take you a lot longer. Well, space isn't a lake. You know, there are you know these areas that they're running into are not flat at least. So, but I guess there's other there's certain dimensions that would still be the maximum width or the height or whatever, so the Z is still too far for them to go around, if you know what I mean. I wouldn't even let you in here without four years of Starfleet training under your belt. These are hardly normal circumstances. So now Flox has to get kind of a crash course in a lot of the different areas of the ship he'll have to kind of keep an eye on. I can't do that. Even a few minutes of exposure would cause permanent damage. If it comes down to saving me or the ship... Look, I'm making it easy for you. Okay? So they're trip saying, you know, if things get really bad or something happens to wake me up, and uh, even though it would really basically kill him, How's he the rest of the to, crew you doing? know, save the ship. Being peacefully. If he has to. for you. Now, lie back. Doctor, please, Captain, I've told you the procedure is completely safe. I'm sure it is, but I... Captain, I have already had this discussion with Commander Tucker, Lieutenant Reed, and virtually every other officer on the ship. I'm not comfortable being incapacitated. I really should be at my post. I'm willing to risk staying awake. Well, you can't. Nor do you need to, I assure you. I have everything well in hand. I know, Doctor. As Captain of the ship, I'm the one who's responsible for everyone aboard. There aren't many people I'd willingly turn that responsibility over to. You're one of them. Well, uh, thank you, Captain. I just wanted to say that before you put me under. I must say, Dr. Lucas, that I appreciated the captain's vote of confidence. I that was a nice little thing to do in a nice scene there with uh, responsibility. Archer and Phlox. Again, you don't get to see that a lot, that he has that confidence and that he trusts him with uh, the whole the whole crew, the whole ship. Hello? Now Phlox is, uh, he's down in engineering and he's starting to kind of like... Uh, see and hear things a little bit as he walks around and does his kind of rounds throughout the ship. Nonetheless, I'm not ashamed to admit I'll be relieved when I can wake up the crew in uh, two days, 16 hours, and 43 minutes. Now Flox is doing a little jogging and, and kind of singing know, some uh, Denobulan song. Late. I love all of his weird little animals he has in sickbay. That was a really neat and good idea. Oh, you also get to see Flox practically um, 
almost naked in this in this episode, which is the scene going on right now. He's kind of walking around sick bay, um, uh, basically naked. But of course, they cover up certain things for television. You get to see how he's a lot more different than you really notice on the ship. Uh, a lot of times, because you see some kind of uh, different vertebrae or spines down his back, and his feet are a little weird. And Porthos is getting a lot of little goodies in this one. Phlox here is watching an old movie, eating some popcorn, and he, and he gives a little to, to uh, Porthos. Did you hear that? Just remember that. Sir Giacomo, Sir Giacomo, into your armor, and you to your place in the pavilion. Computer, mute sound. That doesn't sound normal, does it? I suppose we should uh, investigate him. <laughs> Again, great idea with using Porthos and him dictating the letter in this episode. Uh, I'm not going alone. <laughs> Come, Porthos. Come. <laughs> Hello. Of course, that's always talking to my Pyrithian bat. Always the case when you want the doggy to come, the doggy doesn't. When the, you don't want the doggy to come, the doggy does come. So uh, now they're kind of walking around. He's hearing the again these sounds, um, kind of like almost something it sounds like it's hitting the hull or something like that, and it's um, obviously <laughs> bothering him. I should never have let Mr. Tucker talk me into watching The Exorcist last week. And he, again, he's just searching different parts Hello? of the ship, trying to figure out where the sounds that he's hearing are coming Dr. from. Dr. Flocks? running a diagnostic. Do you require my assistance? What are you doing here? I thought it was movie night. You can hear that all the way from the mess hall. I'll make a note of it in the maintenance log. Bangs, squeaks, rattling chain. Is this a starship or a haunted house? Are you all right, doctor? You seem somewhat agitated. Considering you nearly sent me into cardiac shock. I apologize if I startled you. You're certain that's all? Oh, I have had a slight headache since we entered this region. <laughs> Perhaps uh, Vulcans and Earth canines are better able to adapt to it than Denobulans. How are you? Hmm? I've barely seen you the last two days. I've had my duties to attend to. The rest of the time I've spent in my quarters, reading, meditating. Then you're due for a night out. Why don't you uh, join Porthos and me? I'd like to complete the diagnostic. The movie's quite amusing. No, thank you. Paul? I, um, um... Perhaps you'll share a meal with me later. If you like. So that's the... You know, you get to see there the first time... Uh, Phlox runs into T'Pol, uh, even though you hadn't seen her until that point. Uh, she's uh, up and about as well. Hello? Now he's back to... Um, yeah, he's in engineering again, trying to uh, do some uh, tweaking, I guess, or monitoring of some systems. Is that you?
was a little shadow that went by. Walks to Paul. Go ahead. Would you mind not creeping around the ship like a Draxon cloud viper? Doctor. Please. I wouldn't have imagined that Vulcans engaged in childish games. I don't understand. What were you doing in engineering just now? Doctor, I'm on the bridge. Oh boy. Yeah, so that's uh that's a little ah. disturbing for me. I hope you don't uh, mind eating here in the galley. Mess hall seems a bit uh oh melancholy. All the empty chairs. This is fine. My fifth grandmother made this for each of my weddings. Chef's tried to prepare it, but he never gets it quite right. Yes, his plomic broth leaves something to be desired as well. I always thought so, but uh, I was afraid to mention it. Paul, um, you're sure you uh, weren't in engineering today? Quite sure. What were you doing there? I'm responsible for monitoring the engines. We're supposed to be assisting each other. It's a large ship for two people to maintain. Do you have anything to report? Doctor. I could have sworn there was someone in that room with me. A member of the crew? No. Everyone except us is in deep neuro-sedation. Then obviously you were a mistake. Obviously. I'm noticing, too, as I'm watching You've never been to the that uh, Roxanne Dawson no. you know, directed this. Uh, does a lot of these the very slow camera pans around. Necessity. Uh, keeps it the very kind of mysterious and a little and slow and eerie. Uh, really what good I'm job with the camera work we're sociable people to try to uh, set the mood for the episode. Enterprise, just the two of us, has proven more stressful than I imagined. <laughs> two people aren't even enough for a Denobulan marriage. A proper one, anyway. I'm sorry I haven't been better company. That isn't what I meant. I know. It is ironic, however, that I should be your sole companion. Unlike your people, most Vulcans will go to great lengths to find solitude. At times, it has been trying for me to coexist with 80 humans, especially the more irrational ones. Such as uh, Commander Tucker. I found the last two days to be a welcome respite. I understand, but I, for one, will never complain again when I can't get a good seat on movie night. Uh, you always be, be careful what you wish for, you know, to be alone. the tragic circumstances surrounding alone. your homecoming, Dr. Lucas, you must be happy to return to Earth. <laughs> As I've mentioned before, I have no regrets about accepting my position on Enterprise. However, it has struck me recently how much I miss the familiar pleasures of my home. <laughs> You've experienced the nightclubs in our Cabin district, so you know the excitement of meeting a, a new companion or two. The intimacy that can develop so quickly when all parties are receptive. <laughs> You humans are a truly remarkable species, Dr. Lucas, but when Enterprise has accomplished its mission, I look forward to being among the Nobulans again. The more of them, the better. Good afternoon, Captain. How are we feeling today? Neurochemistry huh. looks excellent. Beta waves are good. We should wake up extremely well rested. One little hitch I thought here when I'm watching this episode is, is that what was it four days they were going to be out for? I don't know about uh, most guys listening out there, but uh, if I was sleeping away for four days, I'd have a pretty good, you know, growth of beard on my face. I'm not sure what day we're at here. Three maybe, two or three. But but Archer looks as clean shaven as he did when. Uh oh. Off to the pole. 
He saw something. Internal here. But anyway, sensors don't show any additional biosigns. Perhaps they have a way to suppress the, the beard the growth too. When there are no life coma. forms anywhere in this vicinity. What about alien vessels? You can see for yourself. There's nothing there. Who said this reconfigured space could be affecting our systems? What if it's interfering with our sensors? That's possible, but we should consider another explanation. You mentioned you were having difficulty adjusting to the solitude of the past few days. I didn't imagine it. I saw something outside the ship, crawling on the hull. What about what I saw in engineering? You ran the scans yourself. There is nothing unusual on board. You said you haven't slept much since we entered this disturbance. Perhaps you should return to your quarters. Try to rest. I need to finish my rounds. I think one thing this uh no excuse me this episode shows is that you know what, Flox is uh. Needs people around probably more than anyone. Uh oh. Get away from us! We saw one of the insectoid type Zindi there hovering over Koshi as he was going in to check on her. Now he's like running around through the corridors trying to get away. There's a fun little shot, too, of a shadow uh, uh, of the insectoid down the corridor. Very 1950s sci-fi-like. Flocks to Paul. Go ahead, Doctor. It's the Zindi. They're on board. We'll need to arm ourselves. I saw two. There could be more of them. There's nothing on sensors. Then the sensors must be wrong. Doctor. Fox! I thought you were going to get some rest. They were real. I saw them. If that's true, then how did they get on the ship? All external hatches and docking ports are sealed. They could have transporter technology. There were no transporter signatures. What difference does it make how they got on board? we wake up Lieutenant Reed or the Makos, they will be incapacitated within minutes. Dead within hours. It is up to us to deal with this situation. I plan to start on G-Deck and work my way up. I'm going to stop them, whether you help me or not. It's a little surprising that she's not a little more uh, welcoming uh, to his ideas, but... Uh... As you'll find out as this episode goes on, all is not exactly as it appears. So you will, uh, if you haven't seen this, you will understand that soon. Now they're just basically T'Pol and Phlox are, are searching the various decks and quarters and everything, trying to search for these uh, Zindi that he had seen. This uh, part of the episode, a lot of these areas are very dark. He's got a flashlight, very eerie, mysterious, uh, kind of like the the ghost ship Enterprise. Ghost ship Enterprise here. Got to have your industrial uh, Starfleet issue flashlight always we with you. We searched four decks. Three to go. If there are Zindi aboard, why are they concealing themselves? They could be trying to destroy Enterprise. What better time than while the crew is incapacitated? Biosign. There are over 80 biosigns aboard, not counting your pets in sickbay. This isn't human. Neither are your pets. I can't lock onto it. There must be some interference, possibly from the reconfigured space. You said it wasn't affecting our sensors. I said it wasn't affecting main sensors. That hand scanner is far less powerful. You know that. I have it. 
just ahead. Shot Porthos. Oh, it's all right. Fortunately, I'm not very proficient with hand weapons. How did he get out? I, I believe I um. We went for a walk earlier. I might have neglected to put him back in my quarters. And you simply forgot. I've been distracted. I would have thought this could tell the difference between a giant insect and a beagle. It can if you use it properly. You're the science officer. You might have offered some assistance in that area. You feel I haven't been helpful? How would you characterize the two hours I wasted searching for a figment of your imagination? I am not delusional. Are you certain? As I recall, you once told Ensign Sato that it's considered healthy for Denobulans to hallucinate. It's how you release stress. You've been under a lot of stress lately, haven't you, Doctor? It's not unheard of, but you I... You said you've been having headaches. Is there anything else you care to tell me? I'm fine. You nearly shot the captain's dog. I'm going to recalibrate this to exclude canine biosigns, and then I'm going to finish searching this ship. I am not seeing things, and I intend to prove it. Ensign Sato to the doctor. Oh, she? Going to her quarters. He's not in the bed. There's a shower going. Oshie? What are you doing? I have to put you back under sedation immediately. You'll suffer permanent damage. Oshie? He did this. What? He said we'd be saved. Let me get your sick bay. You promised us! She's kind of looks like her face is uh, all messed up. But now he falls down, he stumbles, and he looks back, and she's she's actually still normally laying in her bed, all passed out from the coma in, induced that he gave her. He goes back into the uh, bathroom here, and nothing, no one's in there. Dr. Flox is now thinking to himself, I've lost oh. it. Please meet me in sickbay immediately. I like that idea that he, the Denobulans believe that, that hallucinating to, I guess, some degree or some level, kind of, I guess, like dreaming, but... Where have you been? I was calling you. ...will uh, help you. Oh, now he runs into Archer. What are you doing up? To Paul woke me. She said something was wrong. I don't know what's happening. She said you've been seeing things? Something about Zindi on board the ship? You're not concerned about that. I'm more concerned about you. I obviously expected too much from you. You're not real. Why don't you go to your quarters? Lie down. I'll take over. You did the best you could. You're not real! Doctor? <laughs> That was our uh, phone ring, and that hasn't happened in a while. So, a friend of my wife's calling, I think. I was so busy monitoring the crew, I never thought to run another neural scan on myself. The effects are subtle and difficult to detect, but there are disruptions deep within my neocortex. You were right. I was hallucinating. Are you in danger? I don't believe there'll be any permanent damage. However, it's obviously affecting my judgment. I have no choice but to put myself under neurosedation and uh, ask you to look after the crew. I don't have the medical expertise. With your scientific background, you should have no problems. 
I have my own duties. I can't possibly monitor the entire crew. Won't be for long. We'll be coming out of the disturbance in less than six hours. DePaul, I'm asking for your help. I can't. Why not? When we were searching the ship, I became irritated with you. Apparently, I deserved it. You don't understand. I was on the verge of losing control of my emotions. This reconfigured space is affecting me as well. Why didn't you tell me? I'd hoped to control it, but it's proven more difficult than I thought. The crew is better off in your hands. I doubt that. I nearly killed Porthos, remember? What if one of these delusions causes me to open an airlock or shut down life support? You won't do that. How do you know? Because your duty is to look out for the welfare of this crew. Why do you think the captain allowed you to sedate him over Commander Tucker's objections? Because he trusts you. As do I. Not sure I trust myself. Just a few more hours, Doctor. So, Dr. Lucas, while the past few days have proven challenging, both DePaul and I are relieved that our adventure is nearly over. Once we've confirmed we're out of the disturbance, I can begin waking the senior officers. My medical staff should be next. They can assist me with the rest of the... Uh... We should have been out of disturbance half an hour ago. There could have been some slight navigational discrepancies. I thought space travel was supposed to be precise. Not always. Check long-range sensors. What do you think I'm doing? There's more than a slight discrepancy. This can't be correct. We're nearly a quarter of a light year from the far edge. At our current rate of speed, we won't be out of this one another. Ten weeks. Oh, that's bad. That's bad. That's bad news. Always reminds me of the Matara Nebula from Wrath of Khan. These areas of Zindi space they go through, they're always sort of pinkish and bluish. Obviously, the rate of expansion has accelerated. We need to increase speed. We're already at full impulse. As you can see, that's insufficient. We need to go to war. Commander Tucker said it would be too dangerous. We don't know what might happen. What do you propose? Keeping the crew comatose for the next ten weeks? All right. What do we do first? I'm afraid I may not be of much assistance. Do I need to keep reminding you you are the science officer? I already told you I'm finding it difficult to focus. On your worst day, you're more qualified to operate the warp engines than I am. Unfortunately, this is by far one of my worst days. I'm a physician, not an engineer. You hold a dozen (laughs) scientific degrees. None of them are in warp theory. I'm a physician, not an engineer. There we go. Procedures for restarting the reactor are in the database. You're suggesting I read the manual? <laughs> Nobody reads the manual. Output must be confined to within a cool shot that's of the two of them there from above uh, looking down on them when they're both really panicked. That seems simple enough. Unless the spatial compression index is greater than 5.62% or the ship is within two parsecs of a Class C gravimetric field distortion... I realize this is a complex procedure. Complex. Push the gas. This is utterly baffling. It might as well be written in ancient Klingon for all the sense I can make of it. I'm sorry. I understand. I just wish I could be more helpful. You're doing fine. We have to close the plasma relays before we can begin the startup sequence. Would you mind? What the hell are you doing? I told you not to mess with the warp engines. I don't have time for this. You better make time, Doc. I told you, you can't start the warp reactor inside this disturbance. Actually, you told me it would be difficult, not impossible. That machine was designed to manipulate space, to violate the laws of motion. You make the tiniest mistake. You'll collapse the warp field. You'll crush this ship. Thank you for the warning. You're going to screw this up, Flox. Go away. You're going to kill everybody. Can't you see I'm busy? Doctor, are you all right? Fine. Doctor, I can't find the plasma relays. 
I'll do it myself. She's totally useless now. What's the deal here? Come on, Zabala. Put a pull it together. Pressure is nominal. Antimatter constrictor coils are online. Warp two hmm? should be sufficient. Shall we try? How about just warp one? The intermix is stable. The warp field is forming. <laughs> What's wrong? I, I, I don't know. Archer's quarters waking him up. Oh, he just had a tiny bit of a beard growth. Lying still. Just a little bit. Your neocortex may need a few moments to warm up. Are we through the disturbance? Yes. I'll begin waking the rest of the crew shortly. Any problems? A few minor glitches. It will all be in my log. If you're feeling up to it, you have a visitor. Hey. Thanks, Doctor. Are you feeling? A little woozy. I'm not surprised you haven't eaten anything in four days. Get to the mess hall. Aye, aye, Doc. I'll assist you in waking the others. Oh, that won't be necessary. I appreciate the offer, but uh, you need some rest. Let me walk you to your quarters. Doctor's orders? Ah, I like it when they always slip the episode in. The name of the episode. Thank you. I'll stop by and uh, check on you in a few hours. Now he looks down and actually sees T'Pol still in her coma. Ah, the big twist of the episode. As you might guess, Dr. Lucas, I had considered deleting this letter and starting over. 
since large sections of it are now obviously fictitious. However, I decided that my delusional account would probably prove entertaining. As always, you have my best wishes, your friend and colleague, Flux. Now he's in a very crowded hey, mess hall. Of course. <sighs> Commander Tucker was complaining that it will take him days to realign the warp coils. <laughs> yes, he gave me quite a talking to. He also said, and I quote, Flux did one hell of a job. Oh, excuse me, Doctor. You must have enjoyed having the ship to yourself. It wasn't nearly as empty as I anticipated. So there, Doctor's Orders, third season episode of Enterprise. Really interesting one. Obviously, that Flox's, you know, mind created uh, this sort of illusion and image of T'Pol. It reminded me of the movie The Sixth Sense where... Uh, well, I'm not going to give that all away, but it reminded me of what happens in that movie. He, uh, you know, here again, he needed somebody to sort of bounce things off of and depend upon, and he created almost a little companion into in Paul. And you notice if you watch the episode, once you know that, she never really does help him or do anything. He needed help in engineering. He'd ask her to help. She sort of, like, would panic and not really actually touch a control or do anything. So she was just always there basically in his mind, uh, to sort of get him through. So obviously that area of the, the expanse was affecting him as well to a degree. Plus the, you know, just being the alone state on, on board uh, probably started to get to him after a while. So uh, so anyway, there you go with uh, with that episode. Hope you enjoyed uh, listening to my uh, comments as we t- watched it or as I watched it and you listened to it. And, uh, uh, and again, uh, like I've been doing, that episode is up in a flash player on the treksinsci-fi.com forums. For the next uh, few days or so, I usually put it up a few days before I podcast on a particular episode, and I uh, continue that uh, afterwards. So check that out uh, when you get a chance. Sci-Fi Surplus is news, talk, geeks, and fun. Disguised as a low-rent internet audio show with praise from iTunes in their best of 2007, Surplus One is a time-traveling jalopy saucer from the future. Hi, my name is Casey. Join me and the crew as we deliver facts, speculation, propaganda, and interviews revolving around speculative fiction and geek culture. Some of our other accolades include follow-up winner to the third-place trophy at the Galactic Reporters Luncheon. We're also very proud of being in the top one hundred news organizations to break the story about Commander Xandas opening an exploratory committee for evil overlord. Thank you in advance for giving Sci-Fi Surplus a try. If you've ever had an inkling for science fiction talk radio, this is your home for geeky goodness on the way to the office or anywhere you take your iPod or MP3 player. This promotion for Sci-Fi Surplus was brought to you by Zelbrix Saucer Repair. Remember to drop your craft off every 3,000 light years. Sci-Fi Surplus. News, talk, geeks, and fun. Okay, well, I'm not going to talk about a, uh, a specific collectible of mine, uh, but I did want to mention a couple of uh, new Trek collectibles coming out. Uh, I've already mentioned that Diamond Select is doing uh, the third in their sort of original series landing party items. The Tricorder will be coming out this fall, I think around October or so. Uh, but I also wanted to mention that something new that I found out about, that they are uh, they're releasing a couple of new sort of exclusive versions. One thing they're doing is a uh, a two-pack set. There's going to be the Star Trek uh, Phaser, original series Phaser, and Communicator from Diamond Select in a two-pack set for around $40. And, of course, the Science Tricorder coming out. And also uh, EntertainmentEarth.com, which is a great website to use for ordering these things at and other uh, cool collectibles uh, that are uh, of the non-Trek variety. They also have uh, a two-pack, but the phaser there is the gold handle. They have an exclusive gold handle version, one with the communicator, and a two-pack set that's supposed to be around $50 retail. And the the coolest item in this whole little roundup that I'm looking at is Entertainment Earth has an exclusive Star Trek medical tricorder with a, sort of a little different image on the view screen of the tricorder, and it comes with a little hand scanner that, like Dr. McCoy would use. This is a medical tricorder. Uh, again, very much looking like the normal science tricorder from the original series, but with this a little bit of extra goodies, uh, including and attached to it. So uh, look for all that. Uh, check out, again, entertainmentearth.com. I'll, I'll link that stuff in the podcast notes. 
Well, once again, we come to the end of another podcast, everyone. I want to thank you for joining me this week. Uh, once again, uh, to contact me, treksf at gmail.com, voicemail line 206-666-127. Uh, also, iTunes reviews are great. Podcast alley votes are great. All that information and more can be found at treksinsci-fi.com, how to uh, uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. There's a link there, all kinds of things. So check that out and join up on the forums. We just finished up uh, Season 7 of the RPG game on the forums, and Season 8 will be beginning in a few weeks. So uh, keep an eye out for all of that good stuff. And I got a lot of great feedback on last week's special Star Wars audio radio audio drama show. Everyone seems to really enjoy that. A lot of people I was surprised hadn't even heard of the shows, and even those that had heard of them uh, loved listening and uh hearing all those things again about uh, how great those things are. So check that out uh, if you haven't had a chance to listen yet, last week's Star Wars radio drama. Next week we'll be doing a uh, Deep Space Nine episode. Not sure which one yet. Might even cover one of the two-parters. Uh, there's a couple I've been looking at uh, covering uh, from uh, around Season 4 or 5 in that area. So Deep Space Nine next week on uh, Treks in Sci-Fi. Until then, everyone, have a great week. I will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye for now. Oh, and don't forget about the video uh, podcast on 185. Start thinking about maybe your favorite episode. Pull out that dusty video camera you haven't used in a while and, and get filming. Bye-bye for now. This has been a Rick Dusty podcast production. 